going live. Shh. We're going live. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Wow. Hey, special shout out to Joel for making that great intro music that we just heard. Thank you so much. Uh, we are having a little bit of a technical difficulty, and I have given up uh, solving it. So we just went with that, and we'll we'll fix it and edit. We'll fix it all and edit. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of DSpace. We've got a special show for you guys tonight. We are going to be joined by Lloyd Ross a little bit. So the next two weeks, we're going to be talking financial questions. We're going to be talking some of our business crazy ideas. And uh, let me take this down. I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, some ways that you can get ahead, some tips and tricks that we've learned. Um, believe it or not, we're not all broke here at Eargasm. It's pretty much just me. Um, I, I it's, it's pretty much just the guy that runs the company. So with that being said, we're joined. That once means everybody else is making money. That's great because you're you're helping other people make money. That's the best thing in the world. Dude, don't bring up payment before my crew mutinies on me. What's wrong with you? <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> They're making money outside this, right? I hope. <laughs> We're joined by the one and only Phil Better. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm good. I feel like this is going to be like the next Hollywood type squares type show. This is how these sh the new TV shows are going to be done. Just like, yo, tune in on like seven o'clock. We're going to have a bunch of random guests, and that's it. That's the that's the new source of TV. This type mm, of stuff. I, I would get I down with it. Like this, this is good reality television. Like I could see yeah. us getting picked. I can see us getting picked up by MTV. Like they're my, they're like my preferred. Because everybody's like, bro, you got to clean it up. Like you're too dirty. And I'm like, no, no, Jackass Netflix. made millions. Netflix. Like Netflix, Netflix or MTV. Holla at your boy. I got ideas for days. I just have funding issues. <laughs> have funding Don't we all? issues. But that's what like, we're doing me, this episode. This is what we're doing bit, this episode. This is, we're doing this thing right now. Hold on. Let me finish mm. introducing everybody and then we'll have some fun. Yeah. I love you already. We got Marco Torres, the Puerto Rican magician. What's up, buddy? What up? What up? What up? I'm introducing you like that because y'all don't know, but, and I'm about to make him mad, but Marco actually is the Scrooge McDuck behind him. Like Marco is our prop manager and this dude, number one, finds deals and number two, Every time we talk, I found out Marco's got more money somewhere that I didn't know about. Like every, like Marco got money under mattresses. Marco got cars. Marco got stocks. Marco got Bitcoin. Marco, no, nah, I don't look. fuck with Bitcoin. Yeah, <laughs> what no, about no, it's not yet? It's, it's too volatile. It's not worth it. The risk. And uh, my buddy, my buddy uh, Lloyd, who's coming on, mm, will say the exact same thing. And then we're joined by the beautiful Alexa Irizarry. How you doing? You look like you just interviewed to be uh, who the hell dated Clark Kent? Help me out here. Lois Lane. Lois Lane? <laughs> yeah, you just interviewed for Lois Lane right now. You just a hundred percent. I'm auditioning to give my speech at the Republican National Convention. Oh my God! Woo! I didn't do that. Is yet to come. To come. <laughs> oh, Dear I God. hate it. I hated that woman. I have never hated someone. I was like, why are you yelling? Stop. There's six mics in front of you. You're Gucci. You're good. They they're picking you up in outer space. They're using the mic. They're using the mic in the back of the room for the producer right now. And it's picking you up just fine. Oh my God. So we're gonna kill a little bit of time. Lloyd will be joining us a bit, but I wanted to just kind of come back to like that Bitcoin, Dogecoin. Uh, I made some money with Dogecoin. I I enjoyed every. I only made like twenty bucks, 
but I enjoyed every second of that Reddit troll because number one, Dogecoin was invented as a joke, okay? And he made money the first time when he invented it as a joke. He mm -hmm. made cash, and then what, five, six years later, this dude's making bank again, yeah. again for a joke. So that man needs to be honored in the uh, American Comedic Hall of Fame. And uh, we are going to find an image of Dogecoin eventually. Uh, it'll probably take me about the rest of the show with the way my Wi-Fi <laughs> in works. The, in the middle of something important, Lloyd is saying something and I just <laughs> dodged. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, what the hell is a Dogecoin? Is that like Bitcoin? It's another Bitcoin. Yeah, it's just the name. So Bitcoin is a currency in the cryptocurrency world. So you have Dogecoin, you have Ethereum, you have so many others. Like literally all you need is a blockchain and a name and you have a Bitcoin. You have crypto pretty much. As soon as someone's able to market it properly and create a viable, sustainable ecosystem for it that people can fully agree on, like we all agree upon like $1 is $1, like that kind of system for crypto, the world is going to be in a different place. It's going to so be I want you everybody's to gonna, and it, that that sounds was, like a new age created, federal reserve though. It was it, it was created possibly. it was created it was created by a YouTuber whose name I forgot because I'm a jerk like that. But yeah, he created it as, as a joke to show people like look, it's so easy to make a cryptocurrency. I just made one with 30 minutes and my mom's computer. Okay, yeah. he probably really had his own computer, but I couldn't I just had to do that. Um yeah. to make it show how stupid it is, yeah. It's it's ridiculous. It's it's dumb. Look, the minute a celebrity who has some power behind them says they're dropping a bit uh, crypto like Elon Musk comes out and says Tesla has a crypto or he makes his own crypto. Boom. The market shifts dramatically to, okay, how do we, how do businesses can now monetize it? Cause now, he's already said we take Tesla's going to take Bitcoin. So now, would you think that that See, wouldn't that be a fad, like being no. that it would come and go so easily, and that it's so easy to make different kinds? I mean, I would think no. that you know they said they said that Bitcoin was going to be a fad ten years ago. They're not going anywhere. They're preparing for the in inevitable downfall of the U.S. dollar. Like, so it's look, not it's the same thing that's happened. Uh, if you look at the internet, mm -hmm. when the internet just popped up, it's like, oh, it's a fad. Then it was like, oh, no, Facebook's going to be a fad. Twitter's a fad. And, uh, Snapchat, TikTok, crypto's a fad. They've been saying crypto's a fad. Anytime you have older people saying it's a fad and it's for the new generation, it's no longer a fad because it's going to recycle itself. Because as the older people die off, the new age comes in and it just sh it's a shifting, right? So what someone else found interesting when they were young, they'll be like, damn, someone's bringing it back. There's always look at the movies. Uh, if you look at movies specifically, you always see TV shows becoming movies, you know, like the old timers or like some of the old classic, like Bewitched and all that. That's because the people in power enjoyed those, grew up with those TV shows. So, so they want it. So that's all you're seeing now. And as it's just as soon as someone can figure out how to make crypto work universally around the world. And we become a, a fully cashless society. Ooh. That that's probably going to be like a good twenty-five to fifty years off. But you have to remember, a lot of the people who are now growing in and coming into power are you grew up with Star Trek and stuff like that. 
Yeah. So they grew up with this cashless society. No one pays for shit in Star Trek. You just walk out of the bar. You're like, how the fuck did you do that? Well, see, uh, on the contrary, like I, I study trends a lot. Like yeah. I, I, I call them seasons. I mean, with people, with money, with everything. And, you know, like you said, you know, a lot of people think that the especially the older generations, they pick out certain things that say they're fads. Well, and as an example, um, just because they've lasted long, especially this day and age, you know, Facebook is a fad. Twitter is a fad. Uh, Instagram is a fad. You know, I would say in the next 10 years, there will be a new whatever social media and, and there will be a new, you know, like the big four now is Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and, and Snapchat. Well, in 10 years, there's going to be another big four. Like before all this shit, there was, uh, what was it, MySpace. And even though it was a better platform, people just said, fuck it. And they went to, to Facebook. Just like, um, you know, they, MySpace they is over. still around. MySpace is now a place for uh, musicians. And it's it's a fucking great. That What's going to happen in moving forward? Because so many people realize the power of communities. Cause we're all a community based. Like, is everybody getting a text message or something? Like, am I the only one not getting text messages here? I'm, I'm sending, I'm sending Alexa a text. I'm so sorry. I'm, 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 I'm producing the show in the background. I apologize. <laughs> we'll turn um, this shit on mute, fucker. I got mine yeah. going next to me and it's on mute. Jeez. Now you're a producer. Learn some, learn some manners. Jeez. I'm a hundred, I'm a hundred percent muted. Okay, good. Uh, but like, as, as they see the benefit of community. So there's going to be social media sites specifically made for musicians and specifically made for, you know, lawyers and stuff like that, that they're going to be able to communicate and better themselves. And then it's just, that's how it's going to move. And that's how society is going to be. We're going to go back to tribalism, but we're not tribes anymore. We're different types of tribes because now we're showing you can be part of different tribes. You know, you can, a comedian can be a business owner. Look at fucking Kevin Hart. Like how much bank is he rolling in now? Fucking a comedian from, you know, Philly. Like no one thought he was going to be this big ass movie star, big ass, you know, radio star. He owns his own radio network. Uh, well, communication <clears throat> is definitely the key. And that's what brought yeah. a lot of uh, a, a new businesses and entrepreneurs out and, and the networking. But I'm a firm believer that it, like as human beings, just at, at our basic form, we, we have to have something tangible. You can't just say something, you know, I own, and, and this was a big problem with the regular money that's not backed by any, you know, that's not backed by anything anymore, but promises from the government. You know, um, unless there's something tangible, unless there's something, you know, that is worth trading or whatever, there's a lot of the society that I, I don't think is going to pick up on it. Because you go, if you go to something all digital, like right now, the idea of a, a of a Bitcoin or a digital currency um, is is a decent idea because it's not it's not government regulated. But best believe, you know, you know once it gets that big, you know, the government is going to have somebody's going to end up having their hand in that shit, and it's just going to go back to you know the same way it is now. And I mean, and even if so, for those ones that are go that want to go bi biblical or whatever with that cashless society, I mean that that's written in the Bibles. You know, one of the big you know like uh, precursors to the downfall is you know the cashless society and the market of beasts. Well, honestly, if you want to go that route, the market of beasts is just these tattoos and these little chips in your hands that take you to the cashless society that you just scan and shit. 
And then what happens when somebody gets pissed off or you say the wrong thing or like a person like me, if I get so, censored, they just shut off my hand. So I'm going to, I'm actually, uh, go ahead, Alexa. I want to push back on this Bitcoin thing first. I don't think um, it will ever gain widespread popularity. I mean, as you can see with certain trends, especially in the United States and a bunch of other, you know, post-industrial Western countries, we have a very big pushback against globalization. You know, so I think the idea of some type of cryptocurrency or Bitcoin, you know, at some point it when the United States, because inevitably we won't be the main reserve currency anymore. I mean, it'll probably end up being the E or the Chinese Yuan. But the I, I really don't think people would buy in that much to Bitcoin, especially because one, it can't be manipulated by the government as easily. And as we've seen, you know, during the pandemic, monetary manipulation by the government is sometimes necessary based on Keynesian economic policy to be able to get you through a recession, depression. So it wouldn't have that flexibility but also, I mean, we look at the problems with our stock market of how volatile it is, how much um, destruction it causes because of, you know, ever since Clinton removed Glass-Siegel, which caused all this speculation. Any currency that that's, that's extremely speculative, and I mean, is not tangible, not real. There's nothing backing up. The only thing is people's confidence in it. That, if it's ever adopted by anyone, could turn into a very dangerous thing. And I think it's yes, kind of yes. the personification of everything that has become wrong with our economic system, as well as um, our financial institutions, can be summed up with Bitcoin. Damn, I agree. And I yield. Okay. My <laughs> girl, you have you have. I'm giving you ten minutes of Marco's time. That was. I need you to speak up more often. That was beautiful, Marco. I'm letting you know that I've literally paid someone on Fiverr. Uh, to create a graphic and a sound effect that goes off topic. And I'm going to flash that shit up and mute you from now on when you start talking about the Bible when we're talking about Bitcoin. I don't know what the hell. What? Um, so you're you're I, Mr. Bible Thumper there. I, I look at it from all aspects. <laughs> Go ahead, Phil. So this is, this is I, I, I'm a sociologist. I studied so, sociology, anthropology in university and that. And never got my degree. So like a uh, grain of sand. When I say this, but having looked at different documentaries that are talking about the rise and fall of governments by coups and this and that, if you look at, uh, he's a fucking horrible person, first off the bat, but I'm talking about his, how his rise to power, if you look at Hitler, he idolized Mussolini and Mussolini took over Italy with 30,000 uh, 30, troops and he was sanctioned pretty much by the king. Then, then you have Hitler, who tried to do the same with 3,000 or something, like a super stupid small number. He only took over Beer Hall, got arrested, wrote Mein Kampf, and he used his words to come into power. So it's all about influence. And if you look at it, society, every generation changes. So our grandparents' generation grew up in that period, at least mine, grew up in a time where they didn't have anything. So a dollar needed to be worth something. Then you have our parents and a little bit later, they didn't grow up with that scarcity. There, there, were, there was an overabundance or a starting of an overabundance. And so now you're looking at the generation, our generation and you know younger generations. They're like, there's this overabundance, this uselessness of greed that's not good because we see what happens with greed. You see how it turns people bad. So going back to your Bible point, greed is bad, like that. 
But going into this like cashless society is probably something that's going to happen when the new, the next generation or the generation after them. So in like 25 to 50 years, they're going to be more inclined to it because the generation taking over is no longer limited to thinking as a country, but we're thinking as a, a planet. Because you have to remember, we're, yeah, I think that's, we're, and that's, I, I feel like the, it bothers me that people, like people, globalist movement and it's like well we've reached some an enlightened point as a species like we are a global community like what we do here affects everywhere else and well look i i'm i'm one i'm talking to you guys you're all in the united states i'm in canada i'm also talking with a guy in france and flying to france on his invitation to visit his startup community as a media relations. I'm also working with a guy, our guest, who's coming in later, Lloyd, who lives in Australia. I flew to London to meet random people that I never actually physically saw in my life. I've only listened to on their, by the orgasm stuff, you know, and I flew and met them. If you're saying that we're not a global world already, thanks to the internet, like there's only like a billion people who do not have internet and t- uh Mr. Musk the new god if you will of youth or the techno savvy people is making sure that everybody has internet with Starlink. That means now knowledge, knowledge is so decentralized. Yes. Yeah, and that's uh, everybody has the chance. And that's it's exciting. That's how it's we're gonna, gonna, and it's not even it's not even again, we I could talk Elon Musk for days. You just hit like a a fun nerve for me. But like, it's not even it's it's yes, it's going to empower rural communities and it's, it's going to give uh, people that don't have internet access. But it's also like we have capitalism is a bad system. OK, and there's a lot of other a lot of other things that are coming. Let me finish, guys. I'm not saying it needs to go away completely, but capitalism as it is now needs to change. U.S. capitalism. I'm sorry. U.S. capitalism. Because mm-hmm. Canadian capitalism is completely different than the U.S. capitalist. If you US look at capitalism, it, the rich, yes, yes, I'm U.S. Sorry. capitalism, the rich control everything. They don't like the peasants, just like in medieval times, the king or you know the baron, the landowner controlled. Land is now so easy to get; they can't control the land. So what do they control? They control the money. Soon you can't control the money because Reddit shows that it's possible to manipulate the market, and then they're becoming hypocrites because they're starting to investigate. The market. So the rich people are going to be called out. Now you have a generation of 30 something year olds who saw the bullshit that previous generations put people through their friends through, you know, like our uh, people of different colors and different ethnicities. And we're more of an empathetic generation. We don't want to see that. So we're going to move towards changing it, becoming a more social oriented, if you want, community and capitalists. That's what's happening in society. If you not look when you look at everything, you have to look at what's happening in society, what's happening in the anthropology, like anthropologically, historically. You have to look at everything. And society is shifting now because we've seen the evils of greed. Yeah, we've seen the people like Trump who propagate lies to get up to where he is. I'm I'm sorry, I'm using him because if you read his biography, well, I wanna, you know. I- I want to, I want to stick a pin in this and I, I don't want to guys I don't want to go down this this tunnel. I, I would love I would love to talk uh capitalism in a future show um and I'd like to expound more on that idea but 
that just came to me from the Starlink thing. Starlink is going to provide internet to a broad mass of people that don't have it, but it's also going to improve services for people that already do because capitalism makes the internet obviously about money. So if you live in a big city, you got good internet, but if you live out there, you don't, you might still be, some people are still on dial up in rural communities in Ohio. Like it's, it's, it's about cash flow, and some things shouldn't be about cash flow. That's all I wanted to say there. So what I wanted to ask you guys, and if you're tuning in, our guests will be here probably the next 10, 15 minutes. So give us a like, give us a share, get your questions ready uh, to the cast and crew. If you've shared us out, make sure you're uh, set to public so we can see your comments. And Marco, we couldn't broadcast you today, so you might just want to share the link from uh, my I, page. I already, did. I already got it. Cool. I wanted to ask you guys, so before we get our – before I get our, our entrepreneur on here, what is something that you've read, uh, a financial nugget that's kind of changed you or changed your perspective that you'd like to share with our audience before we uh, get going here? So what's your gold nugget? Who's first? Anybody. Who wants to go first? So um, in my regular job, I work in marketing and communications. Um, so something that I really love and I recommend um, everyone really get jiggy with because this is one of the golden gems. Let me just pull it up in my Audible file. If you are not using audible.com, I know I'm a busy woman on the go. So sometimes reading, it can be it can be quite a task. So I can be driving to work, I can be driving to an event, or I can be on the treadmill and I can be listening to an audiobook from audible.com. That's right, audible.com. But how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. Now, I would say, even if you don't work in sales, it is a useful skill to have. Managing people, being able to deal with people is the most marketable skill you can have. And if you acquire it in your life, it opens up so many job opportunities because that is not something everyone can do. It's not um, the most easily teachable thing. So if you are able to optimize that skill, you will find so much future success in your life. And that is actually available on audible.com. Mm. Is there is there a link in the uh, show notes? No, we could put it there maybe later. Um, <laughs> I'm not by Audible yet, but I was not. Expecting- I was about to ask. I'm like, damn! I didn't we- know you were so big that you got a sponsor. I'm pretty sure they have an affiliate program. You should be on that shit, man. I think we are now. I think we're 100. <laughs> percent I'm gonna I'm gonna put the affiliate link on this broadcast and see what go. happens. It always takes one. It just takes one buy, man. It takes one buy. So. I'll give mine next and we'll go around the Robin again. I'm sorry. I had to, I haven't eaten all day. Um, brought to you by audible. <laughs> um, I read a, I read a book last year called the alchemist <clears throat> and I'm not going to bore you with the whole book, but it's a, it's a fictional story meant to teach you life, life principles. And the biggest principle that I got from it is you should keep 10% of what you earn. No matter what you make, no matter what you're doing, 10% of what you make is yours to keep. The problem that I think we have in America and a lot of developed countries right now is people are spending all that they make or almost all that they make. And then you go out and you get a job and you get a nice raise and you just spend the excess. Like people are just spending machines in this country and you need to keep at least a little piece of whatever you bring home every month. Um, it's how I was able to start this company. It's how I went from having nothing in the bank a couple of years ago to now being able to look to buy a house and buy my first real estate property. So uh, 10% of what you make is yours to keep. Marco, you're you're looking like you're about to take a race. So it's all you, buddy. 
Um, I, I'm sure, like, you know, I have a different background than most people. Um, I, I grew up, you know, I'm that, I guess, if you want to call it the American dream or the new age American dream. You know, I, I, I was a ghetto kid from the projects and now I have pretty much everything I wanted. Um, and I, I came about it in different ways. Um, when I first started out doing anything to try to make my own money, um, I, I was just a poor kid selling drugs. But um, I, I didn't want to do that all the time. You know, I, I aspired to to be something more than that stereotypical, you know, Hispanic fucking statistic. Um, but I did read something one time. I, I was always a fan of just reading a personal ads and shit, like a back page and, and uh, Craigslist, just because I found them hilarious. Uh, but there was one ad that uh, one of the prostitutes had on Backpage that really touched me. And I, I keep that with me all the time. Um, and and it's, as silly as it sounds, it makes a lot of sense. If you went to bed broke, then you had no right to go to bed. And, and I keep that in my head, you know, all the time. If, if you are broke when you go to sleep, then what the fuck are you sleeping for? I know it's exhausting. I know it's a bitch, but get your ass up and get to where you want to be. And if you aren't doing that, then you have no excuse to to be where you're at. Now, you know, now I'm not. Go ahead. It's really weird um, that that like, look, you can get knowledge from anywhere. But I think it was strange that we just got a bunch of viewers when you brought like Marco. <laughs> when Marco brings up a backstage ad, we spike like there's going to be a good story here. Tell your friends. <laughs> I mean, it's the truth. I grew accustomed to a certain lifestyle. Uh, even you know, I had custody of my daughter when I was 16 years old, 17 years old, my oldest. So I mean, pretty much, I was a kid raising a kid, and I had to figure out how to do that. So I went to my roots, which was you know not good, and from there I, I you know work. I worked my ass off. I did side hustles. I, I you know anything I could do to pick up legitimate or illegitimate jobs, you know, just to get what I had to get done. Because even though you know I was poor or whatever. You know, I, I like having my big screen TVs. I liked having, mm -hmm. you know, nice clothes. I liked having, you know, gold and shit. And I'd like my kids, you know, having the same things. Well, as shallow as I am, my greed, my shallowness made my strive even stronger. So I will not, even though, you know, I know my gravy train ain't going to last forever here. I, I still got something, you know, always got a plan B, plan C. Always, always have that. You planted your money trees, man. That's what you did. Like Lloyd talks about in his book, so I'm going to pimp my boy's book because why the fuck not, right? He talks about planting money trees, planting different revenue streams so that you're taken care of. Like you're you're handled right. and you, like if one gets cut off, you're not desperate for fuck. I'm not out of like you said, like if you're hung, if you're going to bed and you ain't getting paid. You shouldn't you be going to bed. Right. Yeah, you, exactly. you get up and hustle. So at least you can get at least a couple dollars in your bank so that you know. And it's a side hustle is the best way, you know, investing when you can, reinvesting in yourself and the knowledge and reading stuff like you would reinvest in, you know, back back page. I, I have no idea what a back page is because I'm a good It, it was pretty boy, much you know? a page just with hookers on it. Oh, okay. We don't, yeah. we, I don't think we have that here in Canada because, you know, we're good Christian people. You know, we don't have any of those red light district or anything like that. We have so many. It's bad. Um, I was about to say, I've seen a few Australian back page type deals. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. 
Look, Montreal literally goes church, strip club, bar, church, strip club, bar. That's how the, like, you walk down St. Catherine, that was what it was. And in the old times, you know, like, they were like, oh, we're getting rid of corruption. They would literally bust into the bar, go up to the top floor, clear out the office while the gambling was happening on the second floor, then walk out and say, we closed down an illegal shop. Mm. Yeah, and- they, they do that here, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to say one thing about um, what Marco was saying about, um, you know, whether it is, you know, making money in the less um, proper ways, in my opinion, what we consider proper, not proper, you know, whether it's, you know, having an OnlyFans, having a webcam page, um, back, back page, tricking, stripping, um, you know, selling substances, even, and I think that can be extrapolated to what happened with Robin Hood. You know, the elites of this country, it's okay when they make money in less than savory ways. But when typically people who are of lower income are forced to do things to survive, forced to do things, you know, maybe that are less than savory, to get ahead in life, it's criminalized. And even if it's legal, it's looked down upon by all of elite society. They will kick you out for it. While we have people on Wall Street causing much more damage to people and they're praised for it. So, I mean, so, I think, you know, you know I, I like watching random facts videos and, and just like filling my brain while I drive. And it astonished me today. So financial crimes usually get a lesser sentence. You're right on to something here, Alexa. Like, like they punish Wall Street like like a kid that just took a little piece of candy out the jar. Like they punish Wall Street like your parents that don't want to ground you while you're actually in Disney World. Like that's so you guys all know what a Ponzi scheme is, right? Oh yeah. There was a man behind the Ponzi schemes. That was his name. This yeah. man went to jail for the original Ponzi scheme. For 3.5 years, he stole billions of dollars back in like like the fucking 50s and went to jail. But he didn't for, physically hurt anybody. He didn't hurt it's anybody. okay. And he went, he was a repeat offender. His Ponzi scheme, that wasn't even his first time in jail, man. Right. Like the dude was in and out of jail his whole life. Well, that, that was that like Madoff. Was I mean, if you didn't realize you were going to get scammed by somebody with the last name Madoff, then you're an idiot. Well, so, but they made an example out of Madoff. They gave Madoff life sentences because of what he did. But, like, yeah, in a federal country club. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, that's Look, what happens. It's still a hard time. He can't go to his golf club, you know, on Saturday. He has to wait till his turn comes around once a month. You know, it's what you can do. It's just what happens when you privatize the prison system, man. I'm not, right I mean, here? look, oh, you can't blame the, you can't blame okay, the okay, man. Okay, all, okay, you okay. Can't blame, you can't blame the man for when he was making all that money for putting a little bit back into the penitentiaries, you know? <laughs> Put grease in a few pockets of some judges and some bailiffs, you know? See, this is the way I look at it all. There's always going to be elites out there. There's always going to be somebody up there, you know, above whoever, above whoever. You know, you're just a you're a cog in the fucking machine. Now, in order for you to get ahead, and a lot of people don't realize this, one I found you stay under the radar as much as you possibly can. You know, you don't you don't go fucking broadcasting what you have, what you don't have, where you got it, where you didn't get it. Um, and and two, definitely, definitely, you're not going to stop these people who are doing wrong. You could piss and moan about it, or you could learn from them and use the same loopholes. So if you do get caught doing the same things, you get out the same way. 
See, I don't know. I mean, well, God, we could just keep on this for days. I could, I could just stay here on this topic for days. Um, <clears throat> the loopholes that are available to the rich aren't always available to the poor. I mean, you can look at what just happened in Russia. I forget the young man's name, but there was a politi political satirist and a YouTuber there who uh, literally would make drone videos showing corruption and showing all the big fancy houses, and uh, they got Here's his the ass. They got his ass on here, fake charges. Hold, hold on, hold on. That's Go ahead. You're, you're, you're talking about Russia, which isn't really a democratic country totally different set of rules about, dude if you want to talk about and this is a politician that was jailed by the way so if you want to talk about a country where it's good to be part of the political elite where it's good to be part of the, no, the, the guy who class, was arrested he was running against putin that's not putin. a democracy putin russia is not a democracy not russia is uh is a democracy democracy yeah i know i got i got you. I just, like it it would be more of a scandalous thing if it happened in like a you know non-russian country <laughs> you know any other country that's a if uh, you know in a developed world country or whatever it is you know canada yes exactly <laughs> if it happened in canada someone was jailed for showing corruption then yes then that would be a scandal but when it happens in the dog yes there's the dog coin <laughs> I, I kind of, of want to. Um, Hold on, who's you? What? Why is there a naked man behind you? Was, <laughs> God, it took you long enough. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't going to call any attention to it, but like it's. He's, he's, just, he's wearing shorts and a shirt. He wasn't the first time. I swear <laughs> to you. No. I'm just glad he is wearing something before the guest comes on. Oh, no, oh don't let Ryan fool you. His mama puts on shows behind him all. And we're not gonna let you bring that story up today because I want to keep. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I want to keep. I want to keep this episode on the air for monetization. So we're well, not gonna talk, talk about Russia for a second. I mean, we're talking about the corruption in Russia. Basically, you know, it's an oligopoly where, like, the oil, where basically the big business tycoons run the country. They control Putin, pulling his strings. But could you not say to some some extent that is going on right now in America? The elite media chose Biden as their candidate. The elite media wanted Biden and Kamala Harris to be president. They were okay with Trump until he ruffled too much feathers. Then the elites of this country said, you know what? Biden's not going to raise our taxes that much. We'll give it to him. So, I mean, could you not say that all our candidates currently in America are basically handpicked by the elites of this country and... Really, I mean, Trump was just a pushback on, we're sick of it. I mean, it's been going on, Clinton, you know, Obama should have handled those Wall Street people a lot more sternly. Unfortunately, he didn't. And so he these liberalist policies, we're basically living in a state of corporate feudalism where politicians are nothing but like, you know, knights for the kings who are actually the multinational corporations. And now those heads are, are, are Gates and, and Musk and, and uh, the dude from uh, who's Jeff the, the, Bezos. See, Bezos, he got out of it. I, I heard he turned his company over. They had some dirt on his ass and he just said, fuck it. That's uh, all it was. They were like, we got some dirt. He's like, I'm out. Peace. Yep. That, that was Please. it. Because if you if you if you cut and dry cut it and leave right then and there, then eventually people will forget and you could come back. But if you let that shit go to scandal, then that shit you're, you're fucked. 
So we're picking out about now. Our special guest will be here in probably five, ten minutes. Um, the comments okay. are live. Um, so if you have any investment questions, you can go ahead and start asking them now, and we'll go through them in a Q&A a little bit later. So any questions about real estate, stocks, GameStop, Reddit, uh, Dogecoin, um, uh, should you or should you not go into business with your skeezy uncle who's got this great idea to get you 500% return on your money? Don't do it. Don't, don't do it. Uh, let us know. Let us know now. Don't buy Swampland in Florida, okay? Just don't do it. Don't um, get a partner if you can do it on your own. You know, I got I got one today while we're waiting for him that I actually just I just picked up a trick today that so if you're looking at if you're looking at if you're looking at multi units like it's not like a trick but more like a weird lesson I learned um, by talking to other uh, investors and other landlords it's not necessarily good if all the units are rented uh, when you're buying a multi unit it's not it's not necessarily good when you're buying a a, a rental property if there's already a tenant there um, they could be very far behind on their rent. Um, they could be doing damage and be going through the eviction process and the landlord's just tired of it. And they're like, hey, you know what? Ha <laughs> ha, your problem now. So uh, that's something to look into if you are going to get your first multi-unit that I never thought of because uh, I'm new. Even when you don't get multi-units, dude, I, I got one, two, like four or five parcels of land in different spots. And the one house I did buy um, that I gave to my daughter the, the hell I went through on that little fucking house is unbelievable, dude. You know, the the, the shady dealings and, and the different paperwork and the different places you have to look for shit that's owed on them houses. Like when it was all said and done with, when the money came out of probate, because I ended up taking the guy to court. Um, when the money came out of probate, there was still shit lingering here and there that not even the courts looked up into. You know, I didn't find out till later on in life, and I still had to dish out another three grand on top of everything after the house was paid for and closed on. I'm just inviting the special guest right now. <laughs> He's in Thank the you. comment section. Yeah, like, I know. I'm here. <laughs> and I'm like, oh wait, that's okay. the wrong link. We're like, we're like, where is the guy? Oh wait, we never sent him the link. Yes. I was waiting for you to send me the link in that, so it's my bad. I'm a horrible, horrible person. Oh God! What a, I our viewers, and we're also going to be joined by some regulars, hopefully lately. So start plugging those comments right now, and we'll get him in here. And I want to pull up our next topic while I'm actually paying attention. So why don't if we got our guest about to come in? Why don't you give a little background on our guest so the guests, you know, the people who are watching know what the hell oh, and yeah, he's okay. about? I, I would love, I would love for Phil to do that. So Phil, yeah, give me a second. I'm, <laughs> I'm pulling that up right now. Give me a second. All right. <laughs> Wait, I like that. Alexa, give him your disapproving look again. <laughs> That's that disappointed librarian look. I feel, like, yeah, I, yeah, feel I feel like, bad. I feel, I feel like we just keep Alexa full screen like this for the rest of the episodes. I feel like our ratings are going up. We're getting hearts. We're getting emojis. Yeah, this is good. For boob is hanging up. Yeah, there's, 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 there's <laughs> I'm that a too. Laser, so this is professional. Yes. So, uh, Lloyd uh, is actually a uh, started his life out as a corporate lawyer, working for uh, Middle East largest uh, developer Aldar Properties. Then he uh, he decided to read the book Snowball by uh, Warren Buffett, and that helped him figure out that uh, buying stocks is the way to go. Bought his first stock at twenty five. At thirty seven, he is now a has a million dollar portfolio. Uh, 2012, he went back to Australia with his wife and his sister, his older sister, 
and they uh, created a side hustle that now is earning close to seven figures and is in 26 global markets. Mm. Mm. What's his side hustle? That he will tell you. He has a book. Yep. So there's the book as part of it, stocks and a networking uh, thing, a company. Nice, nice. So well, I'll ask him when he gets here, but I'm curious how how much stock it was and what else he put his money into. Hold I on, I'm getting... Well, there, there goes something. Uh-oh. Uh, that's our special guest. We have the man. The myth. What's up? The myth. What's up? The legend. What's up, you know, I've, been sitting, I've been sitting here, what, <laughs> for 15 minutes is waiting to, like, for a sign. And anyway. It's, it's completely my fault. I completely no, no. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, man. What's up, Ryan? What's up, man? Uh, Glad to have you. Glad to meet you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This is, uh, I'm honored. I'm very honored. I'm privileged. Thank you. I'm excited. So, yeah, there you go. All right, yeah. well, y'all know what now it it's is. all y'all awkward and no one knows what to do. <laughs> it's, so, it's, so, it's so strange. It's so strange. Y'all know what it is in the comments section. Give us a like, give us a share, and start rolling them questions. And I swear to God, if y'all people don't ask these questions that you've been bothering me all day, we are never bringing a great guest on again. I will just, we will do 30 episodes of just me staring at the screen angrily <laughs> like this. Just, that, I can guarantee you, you're going to get money. You're going to get money that way. <laughs> pretty face Dude, like did that. Dude, you guys. Lloyd, I got my first random question for you. Did you hear about the guy from Asia that is literally live streaming himself to Twitch sleeping and he's now a millionaire? Why did we think of this? I haven't. I haven't, but it doesn't surprise me because I read an article about a guy who counted to 100,000 on YouTube and crushed it. So I... Yeah, Mr. <laughs> Beast is crushing it. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Beast started that. He he listened to a song randomly and it made like a million views. Like, oh, what are you... like? Mm. Mm. And I feel like we're always behind on these fads. Like I just, I feel so like it's like, yeah, no, they're doing reaction videos now. Yeah, no, they're filming themselves sleeping. Yeah, <laughs> no, they're just not fat. Like they just, they just, all, they they're lost all, weight. They're Boy, all Australian I, gods, like uh, Lord Down now, there, bronze I can now, and everything. I can now call myself chubby in five languages. That's also something <laughs> new that's happened this year. There you go, <laughs> Gordito goals. Six, six, six lessons. Dave, thank you for joining. Uh, you did miss our conversation on Doge, but you are in time to ask your questions to our special guest, Lloyd. So, Lloyd, we bio do. What do you have to say for yourself? What's this book that's coming out? I'm hearing. You know, give us, give us a little bit. Give us, give us your 15 second sales pitch. All right. Funny story. Um, the book is a combination of all the things I've learned about money and investing and financial independence. Um, and, you know, leaving my job and being a, being a, a millionaire by the age of 37. So it just gives the, the, the framework that I followed with some lessons with story in the book. And uh, that's what it's all about. It's easy to read. It's only a short book. And that's why I wrote it, because I want people to get in action. And all the people that are reading it, if they're following it and they're getting in action, they're getting results. And uh, that's what I love. So, yeah, it's all about money results, not just learning. Okay, so asking more for my fan base, are there pictures? There are some, <laughs> there are some illustrations. There are some <laughs> illustrations. It's not like a book you'd pick up and it's just like all numbers, you know, because we don't want another. You know, when, I read, when I read Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Porter, which I love, by the way, it's just that I was like, well, tell me what to do. Tell me what I do next. It was yeah. all great lessons. Like, okay, where do I, where do I, 
how do I actually do this? You know, so I guess I wanted to cover that off in my book. So, and and the podcast we're going to launch. So that's good. Yes, very excited nice. about that. Yeah, you know, real money, real real money stuff that I've done personally that I've actually been able to do the things that people on Instagram want to do, which is leave your job, travel the world have a million dollars, get passive income from multiple sources, residual income, active income, and document how I actually did it, you know, uh, and not just talk about dog coin. And you were a corporate therapist? Yeah, I was in corporate, Alexa. Um, I, you know, I, I did corporate. I did a traditional business um, with in real estate, so it weren't sales commission only, which was tough. And then I got into network marketing, which a lot of people have dabbled in but never really succeeded in. So I did that. Built up, uh, made me and Bucks doing that, which is awesome, and that helped us to develop a second online business. And all that cash flow I invested into stocks, right? Okay. Um, and that helped me create passive income. Is the cover you in front of a Lambo? No, <laughs> no. It's the only book that you can get on money. There's no Lambos in it. No, no, it's a tree. It's a little tree. It's a tree. The cover is a tree of a money sign. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I want to get into our, our first topping point actually comes from a, a question we got on the Twitter earlier. So I can't unfortunately put it on screen for you. But a good friend of mine, Quentin Hamilton, he is a culinary. He just finished culinary school and he's looking to launch his own business. He He asked this question. He said, how much time and money does it take to get to comfortability? And I wanted to ask you. How did you define that? Because I feel like this is kind of like a two-layered question. Like a lot of people, like, I just want to be comfortable. I just want to be comfortable. I want to have enough money to be – but they don't ever, like, put a number to that. And I think that's kind of why they don't reach it. So uh, give me the floor. Yeah. Well, uh, people don't reach their goal because they don't have anything to measure it again. So that's right, Ryan. But it always changes because I had this thing in my mind. I'm like, as soon as I get to a million dollars – Net invested capital that produces like almost 50,000 a year passive income. That's sit on your butt in Bali income, right? You don't have to do anything for it. I thought as soon as I get there, I'm going to be so comfortable. <laughs> and that is not true because there's always another level. You say, well, well, now I'd like to get to 10 million. That'd be a cool goal. I'd be super comfortable at 10 because I get, you know, tax-free Lambos, beautiful house, tax, you know, uh, multiple sources of income, travel the world. But then... What after that? What after that? I don't know if comfortableness is a good goal. Mm -mm. I think I think you kind of just I'll let you go. I think you kind of just hit it though. Like you you set the fifty grand and you hit that and you set the next goal and you hit that and you set next goal and you hit that. Go ahead, uh, Marco. You've been going up for a while and then Alexa. I'm sorry, honey. He he had his hand up for a little bit. Go ahead. Um, as far as the comfortable like the comfortability thing, um, that's what I strived for, and to me. Um, I, I guess it goes back to lifestyle. You know, I was pretty much, you know, there was a few things like growing up that I saw as a man I should I, I should have. I mean, they're, they're by no means anybody else's goals or whatever. But, you know, when I turned 30, I was supposed to have a house. I was supposed to have a car and a van and a truck and at least one motorcycle. So that's what my goals were. That's what it took me to be comfortable. But on top of that, I had to make sure my kids were taken care of and everything else worked. Well, once I reached that point, you know, because I have the tr all that shit now. And actually, because I'm an obsessive compulsive, I have more than one. You know, <laughs> I, it got to the point where I'm comfortable now. I don't need any more of this shit anymore. You know, I keep it to the level where I can maintain what I have. But, you know, 
I could go out right now and, and keep flipping my money and make more. But as long as my money's making money for itself and everything else is taken care of, you know, I live with, within my means. I mm. mean, personally, right now, if I wanted to, I could travel wherever the hell I want. But I don't really want to because in my eyes, you know, what happens when this gravy train loses its biscuit wheels? Mm. You know, I'm always on that level. You know what I'm saying? So I live within my means. I'm comfortable. I got pretty much everything and anything I could possibly want. And if I don't have it, I could get it. I mean, you know, as long as my drugs are good, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Alexa. All right, Marco. Alexa. Go. Some of the. Go ahead, Alexa. Okay, there there are just two points I wanted to address. Um, first, um, so you know, um, building that line of um, passive income, right? How would you recommend someone doing it for some of our viewers who, you know, don't have as much income to invest? Because obviously, as a corporate lawyer, you're going to be able to develop those passive um, income streams, be able to invest a little bit quicker than you know people you know, who may be living paycheck to paycheck? Uh, good question. So the first one is I went to university on next to no income for I was age 24 and all my friends who actually didn't go to university were making a ton more money than me younger. So the whole corporate lawyer thing is BS. It, they, they were making way more than me. And so I don't, I'm not a big proponent of university even. I think it's, uh, it's not the be all and end all. And I wasn't even making that much. It's like 60,000. It wasn't much, right? So... That, that, that didn't happen. It's not like I was on hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in my 20s. It's not, that was not accurate. So what I actually started out with was nothing, zero. I remember I had debt on my credit card. I was in the Middle East in corporate uh, real estate. It was an okay income, but uh, it, was, it was my sacrifices that I made that created that. So, like, for example, everyone was buying Range Rovers, all these young people in the Middle East. Range Rovers are so cheap there in the Middle East compared to Australia. And so they're all spending their money, living paycheck to paycheck. I was driving a Toyota Yaris. What? Like, it took away all my masculinity, you know? <laughs> I'm going to drive this Toyota Yaris. And I rented seven of them and drove them into the ground, back and forth to my job for three hours a day. And I saved my money. I, I bunked up with two guys, you know, like uh, roommates, reduced my costs, and we rented out the other room. I was smart with my costs. That's what gave me my first bit of capital. It was like three grand. And I invested into stocks and then I built on it. It was not like I had lots of money. It started off with like, let's see if I can save a thousand bucks. Then another thousand. So, so I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you that there. That's a good. What were the first few stocks that you bought? Like what, what were the first few that you went into? And yeah, I, I got to well, follow up, but go, go with that. So, well, I looked for dividend stocks first and foremost because I wanted to plant the money tree and get the money. I wanted to get some cash flow back. And so... Small I, bank. I, yeah, just like I just wanted to start. It was not like I knew a lot, so I had to begin. So I thought, well, if I go and invest in some banks, they're pretty steady, especially in Australia, right? And so I did that. I invested in an Australian bank. It was 200-year-old bank in Australia. Still own shares in it. And I invested in that, and it was paying a 6% dividend. Now, in Australia, the dividends are tax-free. Oh, so, that's nice. Yes, yeah, juicy, right? It's, it's sexy. So I was like, well, if I put the money in there, I can get some tax-free income. And as soon as I got – in those days, they didn't have electronic dividend payments. So it was actually a, a paper check that came in the post. I opened it up, and I'm like, 
And it was just this moment. I was like, holy shit, money does grow on trees. Motherfucker, see? And I just knew. I'm like, this is it. This is where I'm going to spend my time and learn this. So that's where I decided I would invest more. But where I made my the bulk of my money was in Berkshire Hathaway. I, I studied mm. Warren Buffett. Like I went in deep with Warren Buffett. He's like a mentor now. He doesn't know it though, right? He doesn't know who I am. But 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 I read all just these now. Letters. He will. He will. Well, if he's still alive when I meet him, great. Soon, but soon, I, I, soon. I mean, I parked, I parked every dollar I made into Berkshire Hathaway. Okay. So let me, let, let me ask you. So the, the first piece of advice that I got and I took, and I made a little bit this year, small money, very happy with it though, was buy into things that you know. Buy into companies that you know and trust. So that kind of was what you did. You bought into Berkshire Hathaway. You bought into yeah. a bank locally that you knew would had been around for 200 years. Yeah. You know, you didn't buy that's, Dogecoin. No, that's bef that's before I knew about ETFs. Like if I mm. knew more about exchange-traded funds, which is obviously like where you buy a stock and it's like buying, you know, the top 500 companies in America. If you buy Vanguard VOO stock, it's, a, it's an ETF. You're buying broad-based American economy. And that's done like 10% a year. So I think that's a great investment to start out with. I would have done that. If I had known that existed back then, but I didn't. Well, that's how. I'm, that's I'm, the way I would start now. I'm about to do that right now. Hold on. <laughs> he's, he's literally like, he's like that, that was Vanguard, right? Two hundred dollars. What? What's that ticker again? <laughs> um, again, Lloyd is not giving you financial not, like stock advice here. He's just right, doing. What, yeah, no. if, you, if you follow Warren Buffett for long enough, he did an interview and he says, "In my will." To my wife, Astrid, I've said to her with all of my billions that she's going to inherit when I die, she's to put 90% into a, the, not, he even names it, the Vanguard S&P 500 index fund. <laughs> I'm like, you have to be crazy not to go, all right, if it's good enough for Astrid, Warren Buffett's wife, who he loves. What the heck am I doing with Dogecoin, man? Come on. Uh well, speaking of Dogecoin, and uh, you know, we'll have a little light with the with the Reddit and the GameStop that just happened. It was funny for me because I bought GameStop while they were low, planning to hold. Like I'm like, I think they'll survive. They're that they've knocked out every other, you know, game store competitor. They'll they'll make it. So I woke up that morning and GameStop had gone from like thirty that I bought it at to like a hundred and eight, and I sold. I didn't even know what was going on. I'm like, nope, that's good. <laughs> gonna lock in. Gonna lock in that profit. I'm that's that's. What two hundred percent return? I'm good with that, baby. I'm so happy. <laughs> That's smart. That's smart. Yeah, you didn't let greed take over. See, here's the thing, though, Ryan. Like, if you wanna, if you're open to, you know, telling us how much it, it did you invest a lot of capital into the GameStop position? I was really so my bet, and I'm I'm very open. So, like I said uh, earlier, my golden nugget was reading The Alchemist and learning about keeping part of what you own. So with this year, I was able to save up around 10,000 cash. And when the market tanked, uh, like a lot of people, I bet on America, I'm like, we're going to come back. What are some companies that are really low right now that I can buy into? So I bought Tesla. Uh, I bought Coke, Ford, GameStop, and Disney while they right. were super low. And now they're up. And I've, I don't know. It's hard to tell what you make, to be honest with you. It drives me a little insane. You know, it's like, it's like, all right, when, when is enough enough? What percent am I up today? Okay. Go ahead, Marco. Um, so I got two things here. Um, one, 
the one thing that I found that's always been solid, no matter what, um, and and most people hate it, but when it boils down to it, it you ain't in my wallet. You know, I am um, military. Any any kind of military, any kind of anything like that. Um, whether even when the economy is down, the military stocks are always up. Um, I'll tell you one better than military. Uh, well, that what that's mostly that's mostly where uh, my stocks lie. Um, that and as far as the whole greed thing, um, my greed motivates me. You know, I, th there's a fine line between greed and whatever else that's out there and you know if it wasn't for my greed then um i i, I wouldn't be where i'm at you know my greed well, might so. as well be my comfortable comfort thank you thank you for uh, answering dave dave is one of our regular viewers he's a local <laughs> a magician and comedian and dude thanks for chiming he's got a real question we're going to get to in a second but phil you were about to say something buddy what you got so my dad uh the one advice he's always given me is like trust in the sins of the world yes so sex drugs and weapons mm -hmm. and banks obviously banks because it's pure greed like you go after all the th industries that are pretty much the sins that the bible says you can't do and you and invest that's where in your money's at and you, you'll get money coming back it, it's a long-term game because those are the things people need now weapons maybe not but Tell you if they sell if if Hustler or Playboy has a stock, I can guarantee. <laughs> see, Lloyd, see, Lloyd, Lloyd's face is my spirit right now. Lloyd's I'm, face again. My pastor watches this show, and I work for them. Like my Phil is absolutely right, though. Phil is absolutely right. I mean, you're not going to make any money being the goody goody. Well, I mean, that's just it. it. I don't think it's about being a goody goody. I think it's about allocating capital to 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 buy pieces of businesses that are selling for far cheaper than what they're worth. That's as simple as it is. The problem with investing in, let's say, um, you know, like cannabis companies or sex or whatever it might be, is that if you invest in businesses that are in a very fast changing industry and environment that's quite unregulated. Yeah. It's, it's, well, it's just like this, right? Like back in the early 1900s when there was 200 car manufacturers in the United States alone, it's like, how did you pick GM and Ford? How? Not possible. Wasn't going to happen, right? Maybe Ford because of Henry. But it's like trying to pick the horse in, in, a, in, a, in a race of 200 at the beginning. Like, well, it's hard. That's, and that's the nugget, the ETFs and the, the things that you were bringing up before. It, it's not trying to pick the right horse. It's trying to pick the right sector. Like, well, you're never going to. You're never going to be able to go back in time and, and, you know, invest in Google because, you know, back then you wouldn't have known to invest in Google. It, it there sounded was horrible. There was too many. Yeah. There was, like, was too yeah, many. Google, yeah. Yahoo. Uh, investing, investing in not fast changing in businesses is actually the, – the grow is really good. So, like, for example, I don't think the search space is going to change much because Google just dominates and there's only a few players – and it's got a monopoly almost. I think that's why it's in Michael Berry's portfolio, by the way, at the moment. You know, he's the guy famous from the big short. And I think that's why Warren Buffett bought uh, BNSF railroads because he's like, it, who's going to replace the National Railroad? Mm -hmm. No one. It, it, that's why he bought it for $30 billion because it doesn't change a lot. That's why he bought Bank of America. It doesn't change a lot. That's why he bought mm. Apple. It's not going to change that much anymore. There's two big players, Samsung and Apple, basically, right? So I think there's a there's solace 
in investing in very non-changing industries in sectors perhaps that have knocked down? Like right now, you just invested in oil, and that's not going to change. I mean, long term will probably change, but short term, man, it ain't going to change. Pull all out of the ground, some big players. That's it. You know. So. Anyway. All right. Well, I, I want to go back to my second question now. This is kind of like I, I want your thoughts on this. How do you feel about the people who claim that America or or the world is becoming controlled by these corporations and uh, these big these big you know companies and shit? But at the same time, they you know are trying to get in the business of joining in on that company or that that big you know whatever the hell that's running shit. I mean, it's a big it's a big uh, contradiction. You know, we hate the, we hate the companies that are taking over, but I need that company to do good. So my stocks will raise up so I can be one of them people that I hate right now. Yeah. Well, so how, it's do you, even, how do you feel on that? Well, it's even worse, Marco, because if people say, oh, I hate the big oil companies and they walk into their bedroom and switch the light on. Mm. And I'm like, you freaking what? Shut up. You know, like they, they just, they, they're just living in a world that's dominated by oil because without oil right now, we'd be freaking dead. Like we would not have electricity. I'm sorry. We have hydroelectricity here in Canada. So we, we, we have, we sell our electricity, our surplus to the, to, uh, well, to New York. So Phil, something really interesting, go and ask them if they've got an attachment to the grid. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather not. <laughs> You'll be surprised, man. A lot of these like, I love this guy. It's just like it's full. We are such an oil-based economy still. It's nowhere near close to moving away, right? Yeah. So it will one day, hopefully, if they organize fusion energy, maybe. But it's a long way off. <laughs> so you know. Yeah. So I wanted, to, I wanted to get to Dave's question here, and uh, Alexa, go ahead. I'll, I'll I'll put this up on screen so you can read it because it's kind of long. But Alexa, what do you got for him? Well, personally, um, first off, I just kind of wanted to comment on the. Um, wanting these companies to succeed, you know, while disagreeing with what they do. I mean, I think it's one completely different thing to not like the system, but we all have to live in the system that we're in. And to be, you know, quite frank with it, if you ever want to make a change in the current system of how things are run, you're going to need to become one of those elites at some point. So, I mean, if you, if you have different ideologies, you know, that might think Google needs to be broken up. Oil has brought off most of our politicians, which I mean, if you look at their monetary donations, you can prove that. I mean, really, in a position of power to be able to make those changes. So, I mean, I think two different things. Of well, and it gets to a point, I mean, we're, we're reaching a point where at some point, uh, at some point there has to be a big government that steps in and does something about some of these monopolies again. I don't know how bad it's going to get first, but at some point they need to be broken up. You can't own everything. It's just not Why good not? for business. It's not good for business. You can't if you if you're it Disney, was, if you strive to be the best. I mean, hell, you, it's you're good. The for, best. Okay, let me. It's good for their business. It's not good for the economy. I'm sorry. That's, good that's, for, it was good for it was good for Singapore. I will say those things. I mean, I look at love Parler. this guy. I fucking <laughs> love him. Look what they did to Parler. Amazon, Google was able to just shut down that website that competition to Facebook and things, they were able to shut that down so quickly. They were able to limit speech, you know? So I mean, um, look, these let's, have- I'm just gonna point power. something out. Freedom of speech is not, is from the government. 
So saying a, a privatized company has every right to censor whatever is on their platform as it's a private enterprise. However, the government has no right to step in to censor you. So there's a big difference. Parler, they wanted to talk about something. Parler was on, they had an agreement with Amazon and Amazon's like, you broke our terms and services. I'm sorry. Clack. That's it. People, That's people, all. Unfortunately, he's absolutely right. But people I mean, posting, people posting memes on Facebook after they get a 30 day, day ban, complaining about getting a 30 day ban and how it's impeding their free speech is the funniest thing in the world to me. It's it's the greatest. It's no, no, you're free to say whatever you want. But if you piss off corporate daddy, corporate daddy's free to shut you down, too. That's that's the way it works. You See, can say whatever you want. You have freedom of speech, but you don't have freedom of consequences. Yes, and yes. that's not, that's that's why the Second and, Amendment and everything else. That's why the Second Amendment is you have the right to bear arms. It's supposed to enforce that you're not going to say something stupid because you have to look when these things were written. It and wasn't in today's age. It was it written when yeah. everybody knew everybody. So if if Lloyd, like me and Lloyd, were neighbors, he called me a dick. I'm like, well, I'm going to take my gun and shoot you. So Lloyd's going to think twice about calling me a dick. You know, there's a great quote. But he, I don't he'll know still that. call me a dick because I'm a dick. <laughs> this is actually off of Marco's page. There's a great quote going around that says basically people are too comfortable saying bullshit online and not getting punched in the face. That's yeah, that's the that's the current. Like you can say whatever you want, sure, but if you said it to me in person, I'm gonna knock you out. That's that's the I'm thing that you're knock you out. Uh, I, I've had plenty of people want to debate with me and then since they don't get their way or whatever, kind of get lippy or whatever. But I see them face to face, it's a total different story. And me, you know, I, I prove my point whether I catch a black eye or whatever, I say what I say. But there are plenty of people like you just said you know, they, they've gotten too comfortable with just spouting off bullshit, you know, because they're not going to get cracked in the mouth. I, I I don't believe that has anything to do with the Second Amendment. That's just coward. I love, I love, I love, you're enjoying this. Feel like they're talking to Rocky Balboa right now. I mean, this is kind of, you know, summarized into speech a lot. But I mean, if you look at it, I mean, because um, Ryan, to be fair, they do this to left-wing, you know, websites too. Google controls where you are on the search. Google controls, you know, what comes up if you search for a product. Amazon controls the order of how things are. And in fact, Amazon this year was caught. They were like looking up, using their analytics of what sells well, making the product at a lower price and getting rid of those sellers. So, I mean, big tech, needs to be regulated in some way because they're able to just snuff out anyone that competes with them in such a way that it's creating barriers um an inelastic market i believe the term would be but like um you know they're be able to snuff out competition i mean that I, I i agree with you completely. yeah but isn't that a contradiction if you're investing in that big tech I'm I'm enjoying the fact that this break from toxic masculinity masculinity is bringing back our viewers. So we're just going to leave you on screen for a while. <laughs> uh, no, I agree with you completely. Like they do need to be. There needs to be a little bit because. But it, man, I want to get to our couple of more topics. I don't know how much longer we have with. Lloyd I, I would like talk. to answer the question that uh, was up there. The by Greg, I think it was. That I'm was sorry Dave, if I Dave, Dave Garza. Dave. Yes, 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 yes. He had we'll an interesting question. Up. Yes. Y'all read it forever. This is an All right, easy go one. ahead. You, you go, right. Phil. 
No, I have no idea how to do this. You're the you're the money expert. My right. my, my level of comfort is at a hundred thousand. You're living in the millions, man. You're the money expert. This is the inconvenient truth. So a couple of things for, for da- Dave has asked the question, right, Dave? Yeah, Dave. Yes, Dave Garza. You know, he says, you know, th- if, if someone's got three grand in a mutual fund making 20% a year return, which is actually unlikely, uh, and some dividend stocks that pay 50 bucks a quarter, yep, uh, in 50 years, they'll be set, agreed. But how does someone like that get to a point where they can be going, uh, that's going to be substantial in 10 or 20 years? Um, to be a millionaire be by 40. 40. Yeah. So here's the, here's the thing. The, you have to definitely focus your time and energy on creating money. What that means is too many people just have one job and they go, ah, oh, put some money in my 401k, I get some money here, put in some stocks and ETF. Like, why can't I be a millionaire at 40? Why is it, it's going to take till you're 60 to become a millionaire because you just don't have enough income. But here's why way too many people spend time at leisure. It's just inconvenient truth. It's like get a second job, but also skill up, read stuff, do things, sell stuff, go to garage, watch a more Gary Vee on how he flips things. Be very creative of how you can make extra money out of anything. And don't waste money on clothes and you know different cars. I mean, that I think being sensible with not wasting what you earn and instead of being at leisure on weekends and things like that, get your ass to work. Get double jobs. Yes. Trip- Go yeah. hard. Like you have to eat shit and go hard and produce tons of money as much as you can and cut costs, cut, live on a shoestring budget. That's that, those principles have not changed. Be thrifty. I think people have forgotten how to be thrifty. They've got uh, Stan, they've got Disney, they've got Netflix subscriptions, they've got, you got to have a coffee. Just stop and, and, and go and learn how to earn tons of money. Don't spend it. And then find some good stocks that are going to grow if you don't want to be in an ETF and double down on that stuff and go big like earlier. But you've got to pay the price, definitely. Too many people are just on one job. Oh, why can't I retire young? Shut up. Right? Well, it's actually, well, it's actually helping you. me get my second my, my yeah. side hustle. I, like, even, well, even, even, though I, even though I have you know, a, a certain level of success, right? I'm, in, I, I'm at it still. And I don't like this. My wife had to tell me to get a new shirt on because my other one's got holes in it. I do not spend a lot of money. I'm gonna. I'm playing bigger for legacy. Like I'm not out there spending money on crap. So those principles are so important. So I think do that, and you'll you'll certainly get ahead. Right? I did it. You can do it. Fucking right. What? What? So what? Okay. Here's here's a question that I think people like. What was your side hustle? Like, what are some side hustles you recommend? Uh, to well, people that are looking for a second job. Sure. Here's the thing. The start hustle I started, no one wants to know about it because they don't have any courage, right? So it was network marketing. Now, if you talk to someone about network marketing or MLM, they're like, ah, oh, is that MLM? Oh, is that no? Like, shut up. You're broke. What the heck? Why do you even have an opinion on something, right? I'm, I'm a freaking lawyer and I'm doing an MLM. So what, what are you talking about? I think people have to be open to different ways of business and network marketing is incredibly powerful for leverage if you know what you're doing. So starting in network marketing was a side hustle. We started while I was working six days a week in real estate and I did this on the side. I didn't need the money, remember, but I was open to learning how to get extra. So I'm like, damn, if we can make an extra 500, that's an extra 500 into my ETF I can make. That's Mm. where my head was at, right? So I started from our phone. It cost us 500 bucks to start it, not a lot. And we went to work an hour a day from our phones. 
And that translated in, within three years, we'd built it to 100,000 a year extra on top of our jobs. Anyone has access to this? Because we started with an American one in Arizona where they had offices. Like, I really want to know. I really want to know what it is, but I don't want to free plug it. <laughs> don't plug it. Don't worry about it. I think it's on your, uh, isn't it on your uh, YouTube channel? It probably is. I don't know. Like, I'm not here to plug it either, but I'm just saying, like, network marketing, affiliate marketing, maybe, um, I don't think info products because it's really challenging. I can tell you that from experience. But maybe, like, uh, AliExpress, you can go there and buy stuff from AliExpress and then sell it, right? Drop and shipping. AliExpress does a website up for you. Like, go on freaking, uh, instead of being on Netflix on the weekends or going out, you know, with your friends and stuff, go and YouTube, how do I start AliExpress dropshipping? How do I start network marketing? How do I start affiliate marketing? And when it, the excitement falls away, you're going, yeah, it's going to be great. When it falls and you're like, oh, this is hard, toughen up, princess, and go, shit, this is hard. I need to skill up. Okay, I need to sacrifice here and work. And that's what we did. That's how I got in shape and won bodybuilding comps. That's how I ran a 100-kilometer ultramarathon. That's how I finished union degrees. That's how I made a, a million bucks. It's sacrifice and discipline. If you have no discipline and you, you can't sacrifice leisure time to make money, you ain't going to make money. So get some hustle and go. Like, there's no pretty way to do this. I'm sorry. There's no shortcut. There ain't no short. You know. So anyway, that's my rant. There's tons no, of things. Good. You're good. We're running a little bit long here. How much more time can you give us? I wanna. I don't want to keep you forever. Me? I've only yeah. got a call in like. Uh, I've probably got ten minutes. Okay. So, okay. Go ahead, Marco. All right. I, I'm gonna just put this last thing out there, and then I got to get ready for my next show. Um, now you've explained pretty much what I've been trying to tell people forever. You know, and and that's just get off your ass and do it. If you want to do yeah. it, you, uh, again, it goes back to what I said in the beginning. If you went to bed broke. You had no right to go to bed. Simple as mm -hmm. that. Now, if you're content with being broke, then fucking no bitch when you're fucking broke. Simple as that. Now, we got a problem here in America where it's constantly, constantly stated that if you're a person of color, then it's that hard. Now, take what you're saying right now has nothing to do with anybody's color. Anybody who, of any heritage, ethnicity, whatever, behind that computer screen could do everything you just said, correct? Yeah, you don't need any qualification. And they can make the same amount of money, the same amount of whatever. You came up from absolutely nothing. Now, he got a better tan than me, so I don't want to hear shit from you, Ryan. <laughs> um, he came up from absolutely nothing, and, and he made it. And that is just it. Everybody, it don't matter what your heritage or where you came from, if you come from the hood or if you come from, you know, a good so-called white upbringing, you know, you could do it, correct? Yes. What? Sorry, yeah. we're just all uh, currently <laughs> amazed by the beauty that's on the screen. I'm, I apologize, Marco. Well, um, first off, um, I had um, one question about... Um, I have two things actually. Um, the first thing about network marketing, how would you recommend um, picking um, a good network company? Because I yes. mean, if we're going to be quite honest, I mean, we can yeah. say, you know, try your hardest. I've been a sales manager for a while. You know, yeah. we all Tony Robbins it. But some of those where the, you're primarily making money off your downline, it's, it's statistically impossible to make money from it. You're really going to be making, you know, five cents. 
if it's based on recruiting people, because eventually you're going to run out of people to recruit, especially if there's, I mean, there've been math studies on this, you know, things like well, row, things like. Well, that, well, here's the thing, just to come on that one, Alexa, is that they actually use all the customers and the statistics they create. So they go, oh, only this many people make it because 95% of people are freaking customers, man. They don't have the mindset. not there to make money. So they include it in the statistics and excuse it ridiculously. I mean, I've got, there's probably in our organization, I think there's 65 that make five figures and six that make six figures. That's all BS. But here's the thing. Like, if you treat it like a business, you'll get paid like a business. People treat it like a, like a, like a I don't know, they just like go and talk to one friend and they just like sell one bag. They go, oh, that's it. I'm done. And that's it. But that's not how you treat it. So like, it's like going and starting an Amazon business and saying, oh, I'm just going to like try for a little bit and then quit. So like do the statistics on everyone who starts an Amazon business, you'll get the same statistics. Do 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 this study on everyone who starts an info product business or affiliate marketing or any business and you'll have the same thing. People quit. You could have the same statistics on someone who tries to lose weight. Mm. People quit most of the time. But here's the thing to answer your question, Alexa, because I want to give you the, give the audience some value. It is really important to pick a good company because it does make a difference. Because I have so many people saying, well, I, I do Pampered Chef and selling knives. I'm like, well, that's pretty silly. Why? Because people don't eat knives every month. How are you going to get recurring income? People don't eat their knives. They're, not, they're only going to get a knife once every two years. Why would you start a, a direct selling company with that? You have to be in a company with a good quality food-based recurring income that you're going to have recurring income. And then in a company that actually has a good compensation plan that actually equitably rewards you for the work. Because let's face it, there are some crap companies in every industry, including network marketing. So choose a good company, good team, good systems, good product that you enjoy. And over time with discipline and work, you can do it. But don't quit in the first month. <laughs> I think like, that's it. Lloyd, it so took I think, you I think a few just, months just, in that to uh, start like making solid money in it. Man, we made 400 bucks our first payment after two months. Not that long. It's just in, a, in, a, in another company, like if you go to work for like, I don't know, Thermomix and you sell one of them for five, like, great, you make some money. You got to keep doing that. The idea is you need a recurring product. Yeah, and yeah I like better. that. I like yeah. that a lot. So, little, little backstory: me and Alexa have both been in sales for many years, and both have been managers. And I, I think right. you just hit why all the industry I've been in sucked, like life insurance, phones. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to go through all of it, but they're all one sale, and then yeah. maybe some girls. Like you need yeah. people that are going to buy again from you in a month. It's like the yeah. jackpot mentality you were talking about in your book, the jackpot versus the, uh, what's yeah. the, <clears throat> the saver mentality. You're looking the for th that one giant sale that's going to get them yeah. all that money. Yeah. Instead, they should be having that saving mentality that, you know, pinching yeah. the penny. Yeah. Well, Listen, I, go ahead. well, people get into network marketing for the wrong reasons. They get sold to get rich fast thing. And that's just BS. It's like there's a great product. You market it to your organic network. And what Alexa said was you do run out of people. Yes, you do. So you have to network and create new customers like every other business. <laughs> it's the same thing. And you, you need to be trained how to do that. And if you come into a sales organization, you receive no training. You've got an inferior crap product and a company that doesn't pay well, it doesn't train you or it's just crap. You're going to get crap results. <laughs> so fess up, face it and go, well, this is not a good setup. I need to find something better. And keep looking until you do find something good. And when you do and you get paid once, double down, go in and learn the craft and, and master it and become good. And don't leave your job too freaking early, man. Like stay in your job, yes. get your side hustle going 
invest in an ETF and form three forms of income. And then you'll start to get in flow a bit. And too many people go, oh, I'm going to start this side hustle. I'm going to go start this one. Now there's a shiny object over here. I'm going to go do this. I'm doing this and this and this, man. I've got my, I've got my hands in all these pies. I'm like, you're finished, man. You're not going to be able to get success if you can't focus on one thing at a time. So that all those elements of mindset around success are important if you're going to start a side hustle that's sales-based. And there's a level of courage you need to have to go and make a sale. And if you're not good at it and you want to quit because you don't have no courage, then you ain't going to be wealthy. You know, like, stiff shit. It. I don't know what to say. Yeah, you, you have to have some courage. So, so we started the show on this and I, I want to let you get out of here. So thank you for joining us, first of all. Um, thank you for uh, taking the time to be here. What Thanks would one, your one gold nugget, uh, you've given us a lot, but there's one thing you tell <laughs> I was viewers. about to say, like, he just gave you a ton. Yeah, gave like 20. The one gold nugget is that wage growth is not going to change. It's going to be flat for a long time. So if you have a job, that's fantastic. You know, don't lose it or don't leave it, but treat it as your capital partner. So if you hate your job and it sucks, stiff shit for a while, just suck it up and use it as your capital partner. But in your spare time, look for another way to earn cash flow. And look for a sensible way to do it. And if you don't know, go and read Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week. Go and look at some other options out there. Read a few books, read a few blogs, listen to some podcasts, and decide on one and find a mentor. And then start building that in your spare time. And any cash flow you make, learn to save a little bit, even at the beginning, and invest into an ETF to get the habits of investing your spare money. Okay, so you can develop those three incomes. And then stay with it for 10 years. That's what it takes, all right? And I know that's unsexy and you'll want to go quick and stuff, but do that and don't flow off everywhere. That would be my final nugget. I know it's like a, a broad-based nugget, but that is the framework that you can do. There's nothing wrong with being a millionaire by 50. I love that shit. There's nothing wrong with it. Thank you for joining us, man. You were great. Um, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Me on the show. Uh, Phil, thanks for being here again. And You're we're going to end this now. So thanks, everybody, that asked questions. Uh, real quick plug to all of our sponsors. Check out One Joke at a Time, Eargasm Comedy, Upside Down Studios. Uh, you can check out Phil's podcast, Invest in Yourself. Sorry, Phil, I saw your hand up there. <laughs> and don't forget to check out the greatest goddamn show on air, Area 51, Random Tandem, and my boy Chris Catler with Funny Noise Productions. That's all the plugs that we have for you today. Thanks for joining us and asking Lloyd your millionaire questions. And make sure you come back next week when we will be joined by another special guest. And I will try to talk very much less. Thank you, guys. Have a great night.